0: want to welcome you to the Bethel bo- podcast. Great to have you today. Trust everyone's having a great day. And I'm really excited today to have our evangelist with us, Robert Martin.
1: I'm so excited to be here, Pastor Tim. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you, Robert. I've uh, known of your ministry actually for a good number of years now. Uh, I went and heard you preach one time at Brayside Camp. Uh, up the road. And uh, then I know there was a time that you heard me preach at Brayside right, right. and we made a brief connection. Mm-hmm. And then we've kind of planned you to be here at Bethel for some months now. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're just enjoying some amazing meetings. Robert's a tremendous preacher of the word and we're really blessed to have him. And uh, I know our church is really enjoying, Robert, your ministry. and uh, it's I'm a great loving place. being here. It's yeah. awesome church. Good, good stuff. Just wanted to have a chance to a little sort of get to know you behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, maybe won't take as much time on a Sunday because we just want to get to the Word and preaching and ministry. But tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, maybe uh, we can begin about how you came to the Lord and um, did you go up in a Christian home, how you got the call of God on your sure. life? Awesome.
1: Well, um, I'm 35 years old. Um, I still feel 23 on the inside for some reason. I feel like I'm just starting just... Uh, young in in the ministry but i i love the call i love the you know the awesome privilege of sharing god's word i was um i was born into a family of ministry my parents weren't in full-time ministry but my grandfather was and a very conservative pentecostal church in central florida um when my parents uh got out of church i was uh, four years old they divorced when i was seven my mom was working two jobs so that meant i spent the evenings with my grandfather And the afternoons, rather. And so while I was there at his house, day after day, um, I'm sitting in in the living room asking him Bible questions. I knew that's what he was interested in. So if I was going to talk to him, that's what we were going to talk about. So 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, those years were crucial years. I call those my Bible college years. I did go to Bible college, but I found I knew a lot of the stuff the professors were saying because... I asked all those questions of my grandfather.
0: But at seven, eight, nine, ten—I mean, a lot of eight, nine, ten-year-olds are not thinking Bible questions.
1: I was a, I was so a very a... cerebral, very <laughs> pensive, uh, analytical child. Okay. Uh, and and I guess you know it is the Lord right. that works all of our personalities out the way that He does. Um, I wasn't interested in sports. I wasn't interested in uh, a lot of the the things that kids were. I loved. I actually just remember just now, I remember in third grade sitting on the playground talking to the Jehovah's Witness kid about what he believed because I was fascinated with what, what, what do different people believe? What do I believe? How do I explain what I believe? Um, but more than that, my grandfather lived a life, my grandparents lived a life in front of me. I remember oftentimes the Spirit of God moving. My grandfather became a cook when he was um, in the military in World War II. And uh, from that time, he loved cooking. Okay. So he was always in the kitchen, and the Spirit of God would come on him at the stove uh, just cooking. He would begin to to speak in tongues. He might dance a little bit, shout a little bit, and uh, turn around, and he called me R.W. Um, because my name is Robert Wade, and I'm the third. So my grandfather went by Robert, my dad by Robert Wade, and I went by R.W. And he said, R.W., did you feel the Holy Ghost come through here? Wow. And I'd say... No granddaddy. He said, my godson, he was here.
0: While he's cooking.
1: While he's cooking.
0: Wow. Now, I heard the preacher last night, which was you, say that you're not a good cook. So you didn't take after, or maybe you are, or maybe you are just Well, I think I'm growing in it, but I I wouldn't claim that title. You said you know good cooking, but you don't... uh, Oh, I know what it tastes like. Or you're learning to cook.
1: Yeah, I know what good cooking tastes like, for sure. For
0: sure. All right. Mm -hmm. So uh, are your grandparents still alive?
1: My grandma, well, both of my grandmothers are still alive. Okay. Um, The one that I was referring to, my grandfather was a pastor. His wife, um, Widow, she is 84, and she's my prayer warrior. She's she's an anchor.
0: And when Uh, did your grandfather pass away?
1: It's been about seven years.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. But they were very um, foundational, very... Uh, oh, huge. Yeah, in your life.
1: Yeah, they lived the life. It was, yeah. there's so many things in the kingdom of God you can't learn from a book or from a, a bullet point sermon. You have to see somebody live it out in front of yeah. you.
0: So as a child, you had a real heart for the Lord. Mm-hmm. I mean, God put that in your heart and a real desire and and preaching at a young age was something you were interested in.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I I was told stories that when I was a baby, you know, after an altar service, sometimes a pastor will exhort. And they said my grandfather, uh, a lot of times mothers have been holding children for the whole service. By that time in the service, they may be just crawling or, you know, uh, just going different directions. They said my grandfather would often pick me up and be pacing back and forth, exhorting the congregation, holding me in his arms. And I favor my grandfather, even at a young age. And so they begin to call me a little preacher man. Granddaddy uh-huh. called me a little preacher man. And there was definitely years of my life where I was doing well enough in school. I thought, well, maybe I'll become a doctor. Maybe I'll do something that makes a lot of money. But um, the turning point was receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit.
0: Okay. So tell us about that.
1: Well, just to back up a hair, I, I when my parents divorced, my grandparents all around that same time were going to a camp meeting in Georgia. This is a very conservative Pentecostal camp meeting. There's no kid service, no puppets, nothing like that. It's just high-octane, aisle-running, pew-jumping, tambourine-beaten church. (laughs) I was seven. Uh, It was so packed, I was actually sitting on my grandfather's lap when the altar call was given. I crawled off his lap, and I went to the altar, and I remember conviction very clear. I remember the message uh, was on Amnon,
0: and you're this, seven years old. Yes. And you remember this, the, even the message.
1: Well, the Lord restored that 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 memory to me years later because I said, "Lord, I know I've served you from childhood, but when was it?" Right. And supernaturally, the Lord restored that memory. But
0: okay.
1: the message was on Amnon, the son of David, and uh, and I remember the conviction. I remember the prayer I prayed. So that was seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. My parents aren't serving the Lord. We, uh, my mom remarried. We moved to Orlando. When my dad came back to the Lord and was remarried, he slowly got back in church. And at a at a small church, um, also in central Florida, um, I was in the altar praying for a friend of mine. I didn't know anything going on in his life. I remember the Lord gave me a sensitive heart. I would often cry and even have stammering lips And I was, as I was praying for anyone else in the altar. That was common. Everybody prayed for everybody in the altar. It wasn't a, You didn't have a badge or you weren't on a, a board of altar workers, but I remember running out of things to say and feeling a burden to pray, and in my heart, I was just saying, Lord, help me pray for Alan, and as my heart just kind of cried out to the Lord with that, the Spirit of God began to pray through me, and I knew what that was. I had been, I had been seeking the Lord, the the Lord for the baptism of the Holy Spirit since youth camp that year, Um,
0: so. You were 12 at this time. 11. 11.
1: Yeah, 11 years old. Okay. And um, so I got up and testified. I later called my grandfather that night. I said, God, fill me with the Holy Ghost. And then going back to Orlando, you know, living there with my mom, going to a very different environment for school than what I was raised in in a small town. All of that coming home day after day. Now, I mean, I didn't have the most dedicated prayer life, but there were definite moments of need. I needed a father figure. I needed a pastor. I didn't have a youth pastor. I didn't have a youth group. And... uh, I just needed the Lord, and I remember crying out to him, and the Spirit of God praying through me in those early days, um, and the power of God helping me. Um, he became my pastor. He helped me understand the Word, and some days, so hungry for the Lord, I called my grandmother one day. I said, Granny, is it okay that as soon as I knelt down, I begin to pray in tongues? Because I kind of learned by, uh, I guess, by example from others, you had to really get into prayer before the prayer Language would come. And I remember just kneeling down. As soon as I knelt down, the Spirit of God began to pray through me. She said, baby, you must be walking in the Spirit. Mm. So I got acquainted uh. with the Holy Ghost that way. Right. And then um, at 14 years old, I was standing in my grandfather's living room. And he said, are you called in the ministry? And I was still on the fence about it. I knew yeah. people called me preacher man. I knew it was a thought. And I said, well, I think. He said, no, I think. He said are you or aren't you?
0: It's okay. a tough question Put it for right to you. a 14-year-old. 14-year-old yeah. yeah.
1: And when I just I just said yes, I took everything, all the confirmations, all the personal convictions, and I just said yes. It was like I crossed a line. God poured concrete in that declaration. There was no turning back. Um I later went on my first mission trip that year to Peru. Uh, with a youth team
0: at fourteen, at
1: fourteen, yep. came home. My grandfather invited me to preach and talk about the mission trip. Oh man, I cried and prayed all night. God gave me a message. I thought I was testifying and found out I was going to have the whole service. So I uh, just decided on John three sixteen. Got up, started reading some notes, fainted. It was not in the <laughs> spirit. <laughs> Fell out in the flesh, just totally. Now, did people
0: realize you would fainted or they thought you were? Oh,
1: no, no, no. They knew. I was grabbing the pulpit. Okay. I was white knuckled. I was, you
0: know. So you were so nervous.
1: So nervous. Right. Which I think just speaks to how, how the ministry is that, you know, we still just, uh, just because you have a call doesn't mean that you don't have the nerves or have a, the fear of what people think about you. Right. When you want something so bad, you want to be like your heroes in the faith. You want to be mighty in God. That pressure to measure up. It's the only time in my life I've fainted.
0: You know, I've had people say that, like, you'll know God's leading or, or a direction when you feel a peace in your heart about it. Mm. And I understand where they're coming from to some extent, but it really isn't true. I mean, not to say the peace of God can't be there at times, but sometimes you're just scared as anything, you know, like there's a fear and you got to just obey the call of God anyway, Mm -hmm. you know, or move out in it, take that step of faith. So not everything that God calls us to, um, you know, all of a sudden you just feel like this overwhelming peace and confidence. Sometimes you're, you're full of insecurities, full of fear, full of timidity, but you just step out anyway. And Mm -hmm. then God, you know, but, and then as you, uh, as you grow in it, someone said to me, do you still get butterflies when you preach? You know, the expression butterflies in your stomach. Mm -hmm. And I said, ah, yeah, I still do, except now they're all flying in the same direction. (laughs) (laughs) In other words, uh, you know, I've uh, gained some confidence over the years, but you still get nervous sometimes in different situations. And so, wow. So uh, you had a a Christian home, although your parents, um, there's some difficulty and and uh, divorce and kind of moved away from the Lord for some years. But your grandparents were so influential. Absolutely. Gave your heart to the Lord at seven, you remember. Yes. And then uh, filled with the Holy Spirit at age 11 mm-hmm. and started preaching at 14. Yes. So we have some similarities because, you know, my parents uh, never divorced and I actually grew up in a pastor's home. So I come by this a little bit naturally. But, you know, I remember even five, like I have a cassette tape that I actually recorded of me preaching. Now, I wasn't preaching to any crowd, but just in my bedroom. That's awesome. You know, recording myself preaching at five. Wow. Um, I gave my heart to the Lord at, at the age of four. It's my earliest memory. And what's interesting of that is I, I always said I was gave my heart to the Lord at five, but then when my dad passed away, I found a Bible, and he had written down, Today, Timmy gave his heart to the Lord, and he wrote the date, May 14, mm. 1974. And so then I'm like, well, I was only four, but I remember, it's like my earliest memory of, of asking my mother, saying, I want to accept Christ into my heart. Mm. And uh, then later, years later, it became my wife's, uh, my wife's birthday was May the 14th, not the same year, but just interesting. Wow. <laughs> on, her, on her birthday, uh, she was five, I'm four, I'm giving my heart to the Lord. Praise God. And, um, and then I just had, uh, wow, you know, even when I was just a child, I loved to listen to preaching. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember even as a child, I'd hear preachers come, and sometimes sounds a little arrogant, but like, boy, I could do that, or I could mm-hmm. even do that better. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then I, I got filled with the Holy Spirit at camp when I was eleven, twelve, mm-hmm. at a Pentecostal camp. It was a Slavic camp. They didn't. Uh, it was all in uh, in the uh, Ukrainian language. Um, so I was bored as anything. I was only, and I had to be there because I was with my grandparents and we had to go to services. There was no option, sure. but I didn't understand anything that was going on. But then the evangelist said one thing in English and said, if you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, why don't you come? And wow. for whatever reason, I didn't go out to the tuck shop. I went to the altar and yeah. got filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. And then my first sermon preaching, you know, to a crowd. And I was 16 when I started preaching. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. And never, I've been preaching since I was sixteen. Yeah, even Very did cool. a youth retreat for a church when I was sixteen. I missed my high school graduation because I went up and preached a retreat <laughs> at sixteen That's awesome. up in Elliot Lake. <laughs> so there's some real similarities. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I, I I know you love listening to preaching, and mm-hmm. and uh, what's who's some of your favorite preachers back then, maybe today, or?
1: Well, I talked to you last uh, day before yesterday when yeah. we went out to dinner that. I, I was a strange kid. I didn't have posters of bands or, or movie stars or uh, cars on my wall. When I was 14, I had a poster of Rod Parsley.
0: <laughs> come on man. <now>. And,
1: uh, <laughs> man, I remember that, that image. I would come home every day at, from middle school. I got home an hour before my sister got home from high school, and I would watch Breakthrough <laughs> broadcast. Came on at 4.30. Yep. Oh, man, I shouted in the living room. I danced in the spirit. I spoke in tongues. It watching Dominion Camp Meeting and prophetess Juanita Bynum and R.W. Shambock. Um, you know, nowadays I would say definitely Jensen Franklin is uh, someone that I sense conviction. Right. And the more you preach, the more you're accustomed to the word. Um, it takes somebody that can preach to a preacher. Yeah. And. Uh, so that's one of the the mess the ministers. This morning I was listening to Ravi Zacharias. Um, of course, I'm still challenged by so many voices, but those are some of the problems. Sure, ones.
0: sure. I, you know, I just really believe the Lord develops, um, you know, I mean, there's no way you can learn to preach except by preaching. You just mm-hmm. have to do it. It's like riding a bike in a sense. Uh, how do you ride a bike? You have to just get on the bike and start riding it, right? You can mm-hmm. have all these instructions, you have all these courses, but until right. you start doing it. But uh, I would say that one of the best ways to learn how to preach is just listening to good preachers. Absolutely. And uh, I just know as a as a young, as a teenager, even a child as a teenager, um, you know, I was a little weird like you too. I mean, I, I did like sports, but I, uh, man, I'd go to bed every night listening to David Wilkerson or mm-hmm. Jimmy Swaggert or... Yeah. Uh, you know, later on, Rod Parsley, I loved him. But what a preacher he is! Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, so you have this call of God on your heart. You're starting. You're starting to preach, and and then you end up in Bible school.
1: Right. So just to back up a, a, a bit, I had this rural Pentecostal small church conservative um, uh, context that I became acquainted with God. We moved to Orlando, and. Um, I didn't have a church there. Some friends invited me to Faith Assembly of God in Orlando. I was fifteen. I got a ride with them. I didn't know that they were uh, spirit filled, um, and but I felt conviction, and I loved the preaching of the word in the youth ministry. I went to the youth services for several months before I ever went to on a Sunday. Very large youth ministry, about three hundred students at the time. Now they're running fifteen hundred between middle school, high school, and college age services. Um, But um, same youth pastor then as now. He uh, he's my spiritual father. Him and my grandfather, my main spiritual anchors in my life. And um, so I continued to go. And uh, my my parents, my mom and stepdad came. Uh, later would be be very involved, and that church would be a place that our family would, would have a more sustainable walk with the Lord. So my my youth pastor went to Central Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. Yep. So then I uh, I followed his footsteps. I went there, um, and um, then I had really preaching engagements even beforehand. I was doing some revivals from sixteen on, but then as I went to Missouri for Bible college. Some doors opened there, so I evangelized a little bit throughout my Bible college years. And then immediately graduating
0: Bible college, went full-time. Full-time. So my understanding is 2006, we had talked earlier, Correct. when you graduate Bible school, and we're in 2019 now. Right. So 13 years you've been on the road. So never taking the path of going into a pastoral role first or whatever as a youth no. pastor, or assistant pastor, or senior pastor, right. right into full-time traveling. As an evangelist, right. yeah, and it's
1: funny because people, people don't, you know, they don't maybe understand the fivefold gifting or whatever it might be, and they say, um, "Do you just preach, or what else do you do? <laughs> yeah. Are you going to be a pastor someday, or are you just going to stay an evangelist?" And uh, you know, it's a high calling to be a pastor. Uh, the more I'm around pastors, the more I'm convinced I'm not called to be one. But um, no, I feel uniquely crafted for this life. I've been in about 30 countries now and I love it.
0: Yeah. So tell us some of the highlights of your ministry over the 13 years. Um, uh, Just maybe some experience, maybe a funny story or something, but maybe some um, key moments in that journey.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, we all have preacher bloopers, so I don't want to get too much into all my funny uh, mess ups. I can remember, you know, just getting started preaching. My pastor always said, bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just let it roll off my tongue, and I said, bow your eyes and close your heads. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that's, a, that's a way to get conviction to lift from a service really quick. But right. um, some of the highlights, I, I forget, it's been, um, my goodness, maybe 2009, I was invited to preach a, a National Assembly of God Youth Conference in Papua New Guinea. They have them every two years, but the previous one had been canceled because their general superintendent had passed away and they had special funeral for him. So it had been four years. 4,000 students came. Most of them walked some a week to get there. Some one youth group walked three weeks to get there. Wow. Um, there's no recreational activity. There wasn't even meat in their, in, the, in the food that was provided. They're camping out on the ground. They're sitting on concrete floors. Some of them standing in the rain out from under the pavilion. And um, they're sitting and preaching they're worshiping for over an hour, dancing and worshiping. And and uh, if you've been in those contexts, Papua New Guinea is considered, I believe, the sixth poorest country in the world. But to see the joy, yeah. the celebration, no deodorant, and you, the <laughs> smell after an hour of humidity and dancing and sweating yeah. must be an aroma of worship to God. It's just, <laughs> it's something you experience in those countries. Um, while I was there, the missionary... Brother Phil Rojack, he said, um, Would you be willing to preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit? He said, There is a push for churches here to become more socially acceptable, and they've somewhat neglected the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, I said, I'd love to. I love preaching on the baptism. So one of the last nights I preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they rushed to the altar by the hundreds. I had not been in that large of a context to know. How to minister to students like that without right. the ability to lay hands on every one of them. And I looked at Assembly God Missionary Brother Phil Rojack. I said, what are we going to do? We can't even get down off the platform. They're packed in here. He said, tell them to lay hands on their self. Wow. I said, will that work?
0: He said, <laughs>
1: well, it worked for Wigglesworth, okay. um, the early evangelist, the early 1900s. He said, maybe it'll work for us. Right. So my first time stepping out in faith, trying this thing, I said, I want you to lay hands on yourself, on your head, on your stomach, on your chest. I said, I'm going to pray and then ask God to fill you. And when I when I say receive the Holy Spirit, believe God that at that moment, His Spirit's going to fill you. And so we pray together, hundreds of young people. Wow. And I, I pray and I just say over the microphone, receive the Holy Spirit And not my calculation, because evangelists can become evangelastic and stretch numbers sometimes because we get excited. But uh, the missionary put in his newsletter three to four hundred students, not over the night, in a split second, in one moment. And I danced in the spirit and shouted all over the platform because it occurred to me at that moment, Peter, James, and John never got to Papua New Guinea. Mm. But we are now in the last days where he's pouring out his spirit truly on all flesh.
0: Right. I know I've followed you on Facebook, and I've seen just in the last year in your meetings, a number of children being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It seems like there's a real passion in your heart for young people. We always think of teenagers, but even children being filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's uh, you've seen that.
1: Yeah. I, think, I think it's almost comical how the Lord gives us results in areas that we have zero aptitude. Okay. So I have... I don't, I don't do children's ministry. I don't know how to fold an animal balloon or uh, do face paint. I don't know about puppets. I'm not silly like that. I preach the way I preach. Sometimes the children are asleep through the service. Like you, I think that Yeah, I was sleeping last
0: night. No, I wasn't. No, no,
1: no, no. <laughs> no I mean, as a yeah. child in that Slavic no, service, for sure. you didn't have to understand there's a drawing of the Spirit of God. And so now I've just become... Uh, I begin to expect it. And I say, bring your children. And, you know, it's not a mechanical thing where 100%, but very often I find that children are hungry. They're receptive. uh, They receive easier. They don't have as many hang-ups. They have childlike faith. And then what's amazing is when they're so deeply moved on by the Spirit of God that they're not in a rush to go to their seat to get a tablet or a phone. They're not... It's Their attention for the first time in a long time has been captured by something greater than entertainment. And to watch a child, 5, 7, 11, just be moved on by the Spirit, wave after wave, while adults, you know, in so many services, if they even come to an altar, they, they pray for a moment and then they're done. Yeah. But to watch a child press in for 30, 45 minutes while the adults are sitting and waiting to go home... It's just a beautiful, you can't fake
0: that. Right, right. Well, I just, I mean, look at for both of us, how God was speaking to us as a child when we were children, felt the Spirit, and I'm so thankful to God. I mean, you had your grandparents and my parents. um, You know, how many experiences, like, you know, I had no choice. I had to go to church, and we had Sunday morning, Sunday night church, midweek prayer meeting. I mean, I was there. And, yeah, there are times that I'm just laid out on the on the pew, sleeping or even playing, you know, maybe playing with some toys or something. But I was still in that atmosphere. Even if I was sleeping or if mm. I was, you know, drawing on something or whatever, yeah. I was still aware or still in that atmosphere. And it really has shaped my life. There's Absolutely. no question about it. And uh, my concern today is that... Um, you know, and I'm all for kids ministry. We I mean, we have a kids ministry program here Sunday mornings that kids are part of. But um, you know, uh, we don't. I don't see as many children sometimes in services, revival services. Everybody's always concerned. I got to get my kids to bed and for school the next day. And and I you know understand that to a point. But you know, there were times when my parents maybe paid a bit of a price because I wasn't the easiest person to get up in the morning, get to school because I'd been at revival service the night before and maybe mm-hmm. it went late or you know. And, uh, but, uh, boy, I'm so glad I had those times, you know, at the altar and, and just being in that environment, Mm -hmm. like it totally, I thank God for it. And, uh, I'm so appreciative and, and, you know, we don't we, the, the, the importance of children, children can feel the touch of God. Absolutely. Children can experience, children can be called of God. Children can have an understanding. They may yes. not have the full theological understanding of salvation or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but they can have enough understanding. Yes. The gospel is not that complicated, mm-hmm. you know, when you get right down to it Yes. and, um, they can certainly have an understanding of, uh, even what it means. Cause I know I, you know, I gave my life to the Lord and, and, uh, mm-hmm. I didn't understand at all maybe, but I certainly understood enough that I knew I was a Christian and, (laughs) and being filled with the Holy Spirit at a young age before my teenage years, that was pretty, pretty important as well. So that's awesome. So Robert, what's some of the, just, what's your passions? Why do you do this? Why do you do what you do? Like, why do you travel all over in hotels and uh, you know, it's not, I know, I know it's, it's fun to travel a little bit, but that wears off pretty quick. Mm-hmm. It's neat to see new places. But even at that, there's got to be something more because it's not always the easiest life traveling on the road all the time. But what's the passion that caused you, you know, obviously it's the call of God. So God's called you, but there has to put a passion here. What's your, what do you want to see in, in your ministry? What's your passion
1: well, I burn for revival. Right. And I burn for that to be the standard of our churches. That uh, Pentecost is normal, normative, the move of God, the liberty of the Holy Spirit, uh, the, spon- the spontaneity, the unexpected. Um, when, when, when there's moments that God is moving in a season in a church, everybody knows. There's no telling what might happen tonight. Right. There's no telling what will happen at church this weekend. And um, I think that that's not just a special emphasis time. That should be, that should be normal. So to go to churches and to hear pastors, you all have an amazing church here, a lot of liberty and a strong move of the Spirit, but you and I both know that's not normal in a lot of places. And it's nothing derogatory. There's other, you know, the pastors have just as much of a call. There's spiritual warfare. There's, there's cultural reasons. But when you see a breakthrough, when you, when you fast, you pray, you push, and you see a breakthrough, and a pastor says, this is the greatest move of God this church has had in 20 years. Um, people are, are being moved on by the Spirit, and it, you know, just as it changed our lives, it's changing their lives forever. And then maybe get a call six months from now from a pastor and say, our church has never been the same mm. since the revival we had. And that's not going to happen everywhere. We have our own personalities. We're going to communicate a certain way in a certain context. And um, some places will be more responsive than others. But I I burn, I guess the, the most succinct way to say it is I burn to see this generation have a genuine encounter with Pentecost. Right. With, a, with the Holy Spirit that becomes personal, that they can live in every day.
0: Right. Praise God. Everybody needs to have an encounter with God. Yes. Even to be born again. Yes. Is not just joining a church or even agreeing to certain theological truths. Mm -hmm. And that's certainly part of it, but it's to have an experience. You're translated from darkness to light. And to be filled with the spirit is to have an experience with God. And that's what drives me because I just believe that the end of the day more can happen in someone's life in a few minutes in God's presence when God touches them yes. than any of my messages or, and you know, of course, people need the Word, they need teaching, but to have that encounter with God, to have that presence of God touch people's lives, Absolutely. where you're never the same again, mm-hmm. and um, you know, that's what we need, we all need, and we hunger, we hunger for yes. that. Yeah, uh, that's awesome, Robert. I don't know if you mind if. Uh, just maybe pray for those that are listening today. You talked about how in Peru you had all these people and they said, uh, just lay hands on yourself. Mm-hmm. And it just struck in my my mind about maybe we just have a moment of prayer. People that are listening today. And obviously you're not there with them. They're just hearing this, but they could lay hands on themselves. Absolutely. And uh, God can touch them. So I just believe God together. Yes. And amen. hallelujah. Yep. Yeah.
1: So I heard a pastor recently say that we have to be our own CBO. We have to be our own chief breakthrough officer. And so wherever you're at listening, you can take this moment, lay hands on yourself and realize that God is anointing you. You don't need necessarily a priest. You are a priest unto God. And because of the blood of Jesus, you have the access, just like anyone else, to come right into the throne room right now. Father, we bring... The ones who are listening, the individual, uh, near or far, now or in many days to come, that happen upon this podcast. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we pray that God, if they have an ailment in their body that they're laying hands on, that they need healing, Christ, you have provided for that at the cross by the stripes in your back. We pray that that healing would manifest now, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that. Anything that has been robbed from them because they were not aware that there was more in God, that they've been satisfied with a certain ritual or ceremony of religion, a tradition, or just not aware that the the power and the glory of God could have been moving on them since a childhood. Lord, your word says in Joel 2 that you will give us the years the locust have eaten, meaning that you will cause the time that we've lost to be given back to us even if it was our own failings and our own backslidings. So I pray all the time that we've not lived in your fullness. Lord, would come back to these listeners right now. Cause them to live under an open heaven. Mm. Cause them to live in the fullness of what you died for us to have. We do not want simple uh, confession of faith. Lord, we want to live in an abiding relationship, walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, having the freedom of the Spirit, moving in the anointing and the power to minister to others in this dark world. We thank you that that's your will for our lives. No matter how messed up our past has been, no matter how new we are to the things of God, no matter how elder we are that the enemy has disqualified us and said our time is over, Lord, we take all of those lies captive. We believe you in the name of Jesus to restore to us a fullness, even to me, even to Pastor Tim. Lord, open us to greater faith than we've ever had before to see a greater anointing, a greater preeminence of Christ to be glorified in our midst. We thank you for it,
0: God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. Blessings, Robert. It's been great having you. We're enjoying some great meetings. We've got church tonight and tomorrow night. And um, thank you for coming and being a blessing to us and for doing this podcast. Thank you, Pastor. God bless you, everybody. Have a wonderful day wherever you are. And uh, just keep loving the Lord and uh, seeking his presence. God bless you.